0: This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. We're beginning another or a different now segment of our Bible study. What I'm going to do now for, I don't know how many weeks I'm going to do this, but it was an idea given to me and I thought that's a good idea. And I'm going to take selected Psalms. But I'm gonna go back and see why they were written. I'm gonna equate it to that. We'll dissect the psalm, not the whole psalm, but major portions of some of the psalms. But we'll look at what the writers were going through at that time, specifically David. And that's what we're gonna look at today on the first one as we look at Psalm 27. But I thought, you know, when you really look at what was transpiring in David's life, and then you see the words that he writes about the situation in his relationship to God, It really helps us a lot, and it shows us that these guys, um, they were human, and they weren't these superstar people that we sometimes think they are, because you know how we tend to put people up on platforms? Normal people, but it really shows their confidence in God. And today, we're going to look at Psalm 27, and we're going to look at the idea of confidence in the day of trouble. I mean, when you're going through dark times, I'm going through dark times, Where's our confidence? Do we keep our confidence? So we're going to talk about that today in Psalm 27. Uh, we're going to get there in a bit, but let me begin by um, reading uh, 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse uh, 19 and 20. Because this is what David is going through at the time. It's 1 Samuel 23, verse 19 and 20. You could read the whole chapter because it really gives you the full picture, but it's a lot of verses. So I'm going to read two verses. Then I'll give you commentary to try to fill in the gaps for you to give you an idea of why David is writing Psalm 27. Verse 19 says, in 1 Samuel 23, Then Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah. Saul is the king and he's trying to kill David. He's hunting him down. Saying, Is David not hiding with us in the stronghold at Horish, On the hill of Hakalah, which is on the south of Jeshimon?" Now then, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to do so. And our part shall be to surrender him, surrender David, into the king's hand. Not a good set of verses if you're David. So let me try to fill in the gaps here. <clears throat> you remember, and I grew up with the TV show, and then they made a movie of it later with Harrison Ford, The Fugitive. That's what David is. And like in the movie and the old TV show that I grew up with, that it's based on, the fugitive is innocent. He didn't do anything wrong. But he's on the run. He's on the run because they think he's the murderer of his wife and he didn't do it. So he's falsely accused and they make up the lies about him. But he's innocent. David, at this time, when he writes Psalm 27, reflecting back, or he writes it during this time of 1 Samuel 23, David's on the run. And King Saul has been trying to kill this guy. If you read the whole chapter twenty you'd see that he's going wherever he can go. Here's the dark, dark side of it. David and his men, while on the run, went and delivered a group of people from the marauding Philistines who came to these people's threshing floor. That's where the wheat was, the harvest. And David delivered them. David saved them. He did a good deed, but it brought him out in the open. And David even inquires of God through the priest. He says, will they deliver me? And he goes, they'll deliver you. And so we see later on in the chapter that the people, they choose to hand David over. We'll tell you where he's at. After he's done this great deed, you would think that some good things would come his way. It doesn't. It gets worse. And it's a real dark time for David when he finds out that they're going to deliver me up. They're going to tell Saul where I'm at. There's always a little smidgen of hope in the middle of it. King Saul's son in the chapter, Jonathan, comes to David because they're best friends. David is best friends with the son of the man who wants to kill him. Jonathan tells David, hey, don't worry, you will not die. You will be the next king of Israel. Those are big words to try to encourage David while he's going through this. But think about it. David is betrayed. They're going to deliver him in the hands of Saul, and he's done this great deliverance right now. Now, I want you to think about that. This is a dark time for David. And in his darkest hours, in the dark hour, he writes certain words. Now, what do you and I, what do we do in our dark times? What is our mindset? What is our thinking? There was a movie called The Darkest Hour, and I saw it. It was a really good movie. It's highly dialogue-driven, just letting you know. It's about two, three years old. It's a story about when, um, what England was going to do with the invading German army. And this is when Winston Churchill came to the position of power there. They brought him in to do this, to deal with the situation. And there was one of two options. Negotiate with Hitler and Nazi Germany and get taken over, basically, or fight. And Winston Churchill decided, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. Where a lot of them were saying, no, we can't do it, we can't win. They were afraid. Their mindset was, there's no way, this is a dark time. Are you kidding me? You know, many people will die. And Churchill said, no, we're going to fight. See, in the darkest hours of life, and we all go through them, what is our mindset? David had a mindset in the darkest hours of life. Do we have confidence in the darkest hours of our life? Now, I'll throw a a sidebar on you. David will be the king, but he's been on the run. He'll be on the run for years. Why? Because it's in this dark time, it's in these dark times in his life and our life that God develops us. He sharpens us. He prepares us for a future Because if I shake at these times, I'll shake at bigger times. He's going to be the king. That's a lot more pressure. And so God has to develop the man the way God has to develop you, oh man and woman of God. He's got to do it. And every man and woman of God in the scriptures and all of us living today, we go through dark times. And it's in those dark times, the way we play it, that develops our courage, our boldness, and our abilities and confidence in God to carry out what we need to carry out even when life gets tough. And David's learning that. So, Psalm 27, we're going to look at four verses and cross-reference a little bit here and there to show, to, to show us how to have confidence in the day of trouble. So, here we go. Verse 1 of Psalm 27 says, here's what David writes when this is all going down. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Rhetorical. No one. The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Rhetorical. No one. Now, let me give you some things from this verse right here. The first thing I want to say in verse 1 is this. David, in the dark times of his life, looked to his source, not his circumstances. Very important. In the dark times of our life, we look To the source, God, not our circumstance. He says, the Lord is my light. I need the light of God in the dark times. He's my source, not my circumstances. Now, let me show you an interesting Jesus statement. And that is found in John chapter 11. Watch this. And hopefully, maybe you've read this verse many times and maybe you never, well, what is he talking about? Watch, it's, it's 11 and verse 9 of John. And let me preface it by saying, um, <clears throat> the disciples don't want Jesus to go back to where he was because they want to kill him. It's darkness over there. It's bad. Don't go there. It's scary, Jesus. Verse 9 says, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. What are you talking about, Jesus? Let me try to give you what he's saying. You and I, there's a daytime for us. The sun is out so many hours of our day where we live, and you can walk in that light. But then, as the earth spins, it gets dark, and there's no light that's one source of light. But Jesus is the ultimate source of light, is He not? And so, I can rely on this source that's here and then gone as the earth spins or I can rely on the ultimate source of light to walk in the midst of darkness and not stubble. See, I think, I, I think the thing that Jesus is trying to bring out here is this. What? What's going to be your source of light? Where will your thinking come from? The world? A light that flickers? Here and there? Or this source of light? Where will your your source of thinking be when life goes dark? What will it be? Where will your confidence come from? It's got to come from from God because you see, you don't want to go back there Jesus, it's dark. He goes, I'm not afraid. Because Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. See, if we walk with Jesus, no matter how dark things get, like he said, I will not fear. I will not dread, David said. Because I have the light, the light of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing I want to say about that. And you need to get that one. So do I. The second thing I want to say about uh, chapter 27, verse 1 is this. Salvation finds us in the dark, but doesn't leave us there. He said right there, he goes, you're my light and my salvation. You know, If you can remember, and I think you can, I know I can remember. When I came to Jesus, I really was in darkness. I I didn't know to what extent, but I knew. Because I knew how I felt inside, and I knew how I viewed life, and I knew how bored I was with it, and I knew how unhappy I was. And I'm not exaggerating, I just knew. I knew even more so after I came to Christ and salvation and the light came into my life, and Jesus came and flooded into the veins of my spirit. See, it found me in the dark, salvation did, but it didn't leave me there. The Lord is my light and my salvation. It didn't leave me there, it brought me into the light. The third thing I want to say in verse one is that he says, The Lord is the defense of my life. What? The Lord is the defense of my life. In other words, David is saying, My skill set to deliver me is limited. I got some questions. <clears throat> Is David a skilled warrior? You better believe it. This guy's killed the lion and the bear. He's fought them barehanded too. He's killed Goliath with the sling. He has trained up people, these guys, these throwaways into a, 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 some of the mighty men, mighty army. He's a skilled warrior. This guy's a military machine, man. He knows how to get things done. He can handle himself in situations. But what does he say? The greatest defender of my life is not me and my skill set. The greatest defender of my life is God. He is the defense of my life. Let's examine this for a little bit because some of you are like me. And there's things that we are, are, um, we're pretty skilled. Uh, we're not, that's the wrong word. We're resourceful. We get into situations and we figure we can figure it out and get our way out of there. That's great. But something happens in life. It knocks you around here and there. And you and I get into situations that I can't deliver myself from this. I have no ability to. All my experience, (laughs) all my know-how, it doesn't help me. It's in those moments that the Spirit of God has had to, what's the best word for it, break me? Break you? And I think it softens us up to us type A hard-headed people to realize something about our lives and that's this. And it's a great thing to to grow in and to know. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, I'll get there in a second. In verse 9 and 10 it says, And he has said to me, this is Paul speaking? My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. You know, we could read that and rejoice, but on, on an actual real life living plane, that's like, ugh. Because I don't like to be weak, and I don't know how many people like to be weak. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ. May dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know that we start off in our faith and really understand that. I don't know that we do, I think it's life's hard knocks and the dark hours of life that we begin to realize that we're not our greatest deliverer, that my skill set can't save me in certain situations, that when I'm in my weakest times, that's when the grace of God can flood in and do what only the grace of God can do. And it's a hard lesson that I've learned multiple times over and will continue to learn But it's a good lesson. And David, I think, is saying that. He's saying, look, the Lord is the defense of my life. Yeah, I'm good with the sword. I'm good with the sling. I've raised up a great army of of men. I have fought battles and won and won and won and won. But ultimately, at a certain spot of my life, my skill set is limited. And I need God to be the defender of my life. Some of you are there right now. You can't figure it out. You can't work it out. God has to be the defender of your life. God has to work in the weakness of you within your situation. That's okay. Because He's the creator. Look up at the stars tonight and look at what He's created up there and the vastness of it. God holds it all together. And He can hold little old you together in your life. He's the defender of your life. Now, the fourth thing I want to say out of verse one is a question. David says, the Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Basically says, Whom shall I fear? I have a big question that must be asked because we're talking about confidence in the day of in the day of trouble. The hard question is this What do I fear? What do you fear? Because after all, Jesus says, do not fear. It's it's clear, do not fear. Boy, we live in a day and age where they want to make us fearful of everything, don't they? Well, Jim, we really should be. No, we shouldn't fear anything. And I'm not saying not to be unwise, but we shouldn't fear because Jesus says, do not fear. I challenge you, go back, read the entire New Testament. Go read back everything about Jesus. He never said, hey guys, you need to be afraid every day. He didn't say that. He says, do not fear. Now, what do you fear? Be honest with yourself. Because if you're honest with yourself, then you can conquer that fear. I know what I have feared all my life. And my fear has always been the fear of failure. And it's driven me to drive myself in exhaustion. to to the point of destruction. It's also caused me to sabotage and hold back and limit myself and be paralyzed in my life in a sense and not go out. It goes either or. It goes to extremes in my life. Because I know that about me, I have also attacked those things so that fear doesn't control me. I have stepped through areas where I would rather limit myself, sabotage my life, and not do that. But I've stepped through those big hurdles because I cannot let fear limit me because fear is a limiter of my life. On the flip side, I've had to let go of things and trust other people, and not try to over control because that fear caused me to destroy my life and almost destroy my marriage You know, in the early years. Fear is a destroyer. Fear is a limiter. What do you fear? Just come on, what do you fear? Be honest with yourself. If you're not real with your own self, you're not gonna be real with everybody else. Now, David gives us insight into fear. Not in this chapter, but he does give us insight in another chapter of Psalm, Psalm 23. Turn there, and I'm not going to use Psalm 23 in this teaching because I did used, I did a whole series on Psalm 23 when I did Peace and the Panic at the beginning of the pandemic. So you can go back and watch that. that. Those are Sunday morning topical studies, but I went verse by verse through Psalm 23. But let me go back to one verse, Psalm 23, verse 4, because David gives us insight into what fear is all about. In verse 4 he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay, what's David saying right here? He's saying this. The first thing he says about fear is, fear is a valley. Fear takes you and I to the lowest of lows. It never takes us to the mountaintop or the clear vision. I've been to the top passes of mountains and man, you could see for for miles and miles and miles. It's so clear. But in the valley, there's a lot of brush and trees and you can't see very far sometimes. It takes you, fear takes you to the lowest of lows. Fear is a valley. He says, it's the valley of the shadow. Oh, fear is a shadow. What does that mean? Listen close its bark is much more than its bite it's a shadow a shadow can't hurt me but in our mind if our thinking's incorrect oh boy our fear can hurt us it's going to cause some destruction in our life it's going to be bad no it's a shadow and then he says it's death what does that mean it paralyzes us it keeps us from living out whatever that will of God was because we'll limit ourselves. We'll lock ourselves in. We'll keep from this and we'll stay from that because we live in fear. David says the antidote to that fear when we're in those dark times or just fear in general is what he says here. He says, or what he says in Psalm 23:4, he said, I fear no evil for you are with me. I like that. God is with me. I will not fear. I have a question for you. What if you really believe that? What if you really believe that God was with you wherever you go, wherever you are? What if you really believed that you were like Elijah, standing in the face of King Ahab, who could kill him, and he says, I'm telling you this, this, and this, before the Lord, before whom I stand. In other words, God is right here with me. What if you believe, like Moses, you say, thus saith the Lord, and he's talking to Pharaoh, let my people go. What if you really believe that God is with you, in those difficult, dark circumstances? What if you believed that and you could erase the fear in your life? I'll tell you something. I'll be honest with you right now. People ask me, "Are you you nervous during these times, during these pandemic times?" No, I'm not. How can you not be? Well, he said not. Jesus told me not to fear. Either I believe my life is in God's hands, and by the way, I I I do the things. I wear the mask. I social distance. I do those things. But I'm not going to live in fear. Why would I do that? If I do that, I'm going to hide in the house all day long. I cannot live my life that way. I refuse to. I'm going to live in fear. And it's not because I'm some kind of confident person. It's because God is with me. Because God has my life in His hands. Because God has given me a time frame of life. Period. It's not because of me. The Lord is my life. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I dread? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. In the darkest times of my life, no, I refuse to fear. God is with you. What if you really believe that? What if you really believed it? Now, let's move on. Verse 2. What else does David say in the dark times? In verse 2 of chapter 27, he says, When doers came upon me to devour my flesh. Whoa! My adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Hmm, what's David saying about his situation? Well, in the day of darkness, I must remember past deliverances from God. I must remember that God has delivered me in the past. He said this, when evildoers came upon me, past tense, He remembers other difficult situations, other difficult seasons. He remembers them when God came through in the darkness of his life. Let me tell you something about Christians. It's just, Christians, too many of us have spiritual amnesia. It gets bad, it gets dark, it gets, oh, you don't even remember, we don't remember God anymore. What God has done, it's like, it's like you're a, 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 a Christian who lives, you remember that movie, Fifty First Dates? I like that movie. It's like every date was brand new. She didn't remember anything. It's like that's the way some Christians live their life with God. I don't remember anything God did in the past for me. I'm sure He did something, but I don't remember it. So when a new situation comes up that's difficult, tough, I don't remember, I have spiritual amnesia. No, that's not the way we live. We must remember that God has delivered in the past. He says, When evildoers came upon me, when, past tense, I remember when they came upon me. My foundation is God delivered me in the past. He'll deliver me in the present. I will not fear now because even though I'm in darkness, God is with me. What is that saying about David? And what is it saying that you and I should be? David is battle-tested. David is battle-tested. Where does your mind go? When darkness comes, where does your mind go when it looks shaky? Are you battle-tested? Is it just, oh, there's only 12 hours in a day? Are you with Jesus, who's light in the midst of darkness? Where does your mind go? Battle-tested. Watch this. He said in verse 2, When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, that's an interesting term, isn't it? Let me show you why it's so interesting. And this, in this battle-tested warrior of God, who's in his 20s at this time. In 1 Samuel 17, 44, David is a teenage kid, and he's up there facing Goliath, right? And as they're exchanging, you know, they're trash-talking each other. And Goliath starts to trash-talk, which, which I think is great because David trash-talks right back at him. But here's what Goliath says when he sees David, this ruddy teenage kid with a little stick and a sling in his hand. <laughs> He's, the Goliath, the Philistine, also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky. And the beasts of the field. What's he saying? I'm going to devour your flesh. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to let all the birds eat you up alive. You're going to be devoured. Think about that. Because David turns right back and says, No, I'm going, I'm going to kill you and give your flesh to the birds of the sky. But think about that. Goliath says, I'm going to devour your flesh. I'm going to kill you. The birds are going to eat you up. David in Psalm 27.2 says, When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh. <clears throat> He says, my adversaries and enemies, they stumbled and fell. <laughs> they went down. Because God was with them, he knows his source of confidence. What's your source of confidence in the time of trouble, in the day of darkness? What is it? Do you run in fear? Are you paralyzed by things? Or do you have confidence in God? What is it? Where does your mind go? If your mind's going all over the place, I guarantee you're not founded in God's Word. I can guarantee it. This should be your foundation. This should be flooding through your soul and spirit. These words should just boom from you when you're in the midst of it. Mm. Now, verse 3, Psalm 27, David's not done. He says, in the middle of darkness, then verse 3 says, though a host encamp against me. My heart will not fear. The war arise against me. In spite of this, I shall be confident. Did you just feel that? Don't you just feel this battle tested 20 something year old young man's like, no. Now watch what he's telling us in verse three. He's saying, sometimes our greatest fear is the before. What are you talking about? My before can brutalize me. Before can brutalize me. W- what are you talking? He says this, Though a host encamp against me. Have they invaded him yet? Have they attacked it? No. It hasn't happened yet. How many of us, we sit there and our greatest turmoil and paralysis and fear and anxiety is the thought and the thinking process in the anticipation of what might be bad and what might happen. You know it's true. That's a source of major anxiety in people's lives. The thought of what about this, and this might happen here, I might get that, and it's going to... Stop it! He says the host is encamped against. It hasn't happened yet. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to let my mind go there. I'm I'm not going to let the before brutalize me. I'm not going to do it. That's why Jesus said, don't take any thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Don't be, don't, you know what, deal with right now. Don't deal with tomorrow. <clears throat> look, 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 look. look. <clears throat> My heart will not fear. My heart will not fear. <clears throat> now watch this. Turn me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's, let's, let's examine this a little more. The writer of Hebrews, we don't know if it's Paul or not could be may not be. but Hebrews 4:12 is a really cool verse. Um, You've probably heard it quoted many times. It says, "For the word of God is living. Yeah, it's alive and active. Mm, it's operating and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division, of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Let's take one aspect of this verse because there's multiple things in there. He says that the word of God separates the soul from the spirit. Hmm, okay. <clears throat> my soul. The soul is what comes from me and my thinking and the thinking of the culture. My spirit is the thinking that comes from God and God's Word. The Word of God separates the two. Why? So that I'm not led by my old thinking, the culture, the ways of other people and their opinions and all these different things. I'm led by the Spirit. The Word of God separates it so I'm led by these things. Not those things. Where does your mind go in, when you're walking in darkness or troubling times? Who do you listen to? What do you listen to? I'm to be led by the Spirit of God. Jesus said these words are spirit and they are life. Who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? What do you listen to? That'll tell you whether you have peace or you're filled with anxiety. Whether you have confidence or you're just riddled with fear over what might happen. Mm-mm. Be led by the Spirit of God. Be led by these words and you'll be confident like David is talking about in the midst of darkness, in the midst of trouble. Now, last verse. Psalm 27, 4. This is as far as we're going to go in this chapter. It says, one thing I have asked from the Lord <clears throat> that I shall seek. This is his motivation he's talking about. This is a motivation in life. Highest priority. This is the key to confidence. In the midst of darkness, he says, that I may dwell. Oh, 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 oh. Dwell means to sit down, remain and stay. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, so I want to be tight with God all my life. I want to dwell in the sanctuary. I want to dwell with the believers. I want to be tight with God. Smart. Then he says, to behold, it means to see with intelligence and to experience. God has to be more than just, uh, give me another message, give me another message. You must experience God. Look, When you got married, you didn't sit there and say, I just want to have an intellectual experience with you. No, you didn't. You wanted to have a honeymoon and beyond. You wanted experience. Same thing with God. It cannot just be some intellectual interaction. There must be experiences with God where you knew that was God at that moment in your life. It's great to have those things. Those are the battle-tested experiences of the past. To see it. To see what? To see the beauty What's the beauty of me it means the kindness, to see the pleasantness, to see the favor of God. I want to experience it," he says. I dwell with God, I dwell with the believers, because I want to see and experience the beauty and the kindness of God. I want this experience in my life." And then he says, "And to meditate, it means to inquire, to consider, to reflect. I want to think on the things that I'm experiencing in God, to meditate in His temple. I want this whole thing, the whole package. That's a confident person. They're doing that right there. That's where their mind goes in the day of trouble, in the time of darkness. That's where it goes. That's where yours should go. That's where yours should go. Now, this is the entire source of his confidence and it goes very well, last verse, with Psalm 1. In Psalm 1, just to to seal the deal on this teaching. It says this. The psalmist says in verse 2, but his delight means your pleasure, to take pleasure, your delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, He meditates day and night. You keep this at the forefront, embedded, rooted in your life day and night. And you'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in a season. And whatever he does, he prospers and his leaf does not wither. Oh man, you'll be confident in the day of darkness, in the time of trouble. You'll be unshaken. Jesus said about John the Baptist, what did you go out to see in the wilderness? A reed shaken in the wind? No. You didn't go out to see somebody falling all over the place, you know, hesitating here and there, in and out of their faith. No. You see somebody who's tough, stands tough in his faith. John the Baptist stood tough in his faith, faith all the way to the end. He wasn't rattled and wasn't shaken. And that's where we need to be. So you can have confidence, so can I in the day of trouble and the day of darkness. Well, I hope this teaching helped you. Um, We'll see you next time. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at NBCC.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.